And now we have a man who just said to me that I could ask him anything about basketball and he'd be prepared to answer it. He's revved and ready to go on the NBA Finals. Also, the only person who I saw publicly and correctly predict Heat Nuggets NBA Finals before the season. He had Heat and Mm -hmm. seven during the preseason. We'll see if that prediction remains the same. You know him from ESPN. His new podcast, Four Years of Heat, which I can't wait to dive into a little bit as well. Israel Gutierrez, Izzy, you were here for episode one, back for episode 101. Thank you so much yeah. for joining me today. Uh, just don't ask me where the short corner is because uh, so many people are getting that wrong that I'm starting to wonder if I get that wrong. So any other basketball question, then I'm good. Okay, perfect. Well, before we get into the basketball side of things, I do have to ask you, what is something recently that's brought you joy outside of work, outside of basketball? Um, well, I've got, uh, let's see how old she is now. She was born. Oh man, I'm so bad at this. October 17th, November, December, January, February, March, <laughs> April, May, uh, almost eight month old niece, um, spent some time with her and my family in Orlando this past weekend. And she is just the cutest little bundle mm-hmm. of joy. And you know, the Gutierrez slash Rodriguez family runs deep and she's the newest uh, member and she's the cutest uh, little Mia. So that, that's that's the, the latest. The most I memorable. love that. Always love when the answer is 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 family and seeing uh, especially little baby. I think the last time you were on here because it's not only the first episode. I think the last time you were on here, she was either just recently born, like just born, or yeah, a few months in, and it was the Aiden, same thing. Who... Oh, it was. It was your nephew. That's what it was. Who I'm pretty sure I just flat out said is my favorite and still kind of leans toward my favorite. And yeah, he's still my guy. And he was there, you know, all weekend too. We had a great time. But, you know, the newer ones, they're just so cuddly. They're getting attention. (laughs) They're getting attention. That's what it is. Um, So, hey, the Miami Heat are in the NBA Finals. Went up 3-0 against the Boston Celtics, then lost three straight just to stress us out, and then went into Boston and dominated Game 7, the first eight seed this century to make the NBA Finals. Uh, Izzy first, how, how confident were you headed into Game 7 that this Heat team you know, could do what they did and, and pull off that victory? And what was your reaction when you first realized that they were going to finish off this Eastern Conference run with a win and going to the NBA Finals. You know, it's funny, Jeremy, is that like all season long, even while they were frustrating as all get out, um, the one thing that sort of gave me hope, if I'm speaking for the Heat fan, is any singular game they could win. Yep. Home, road, doesn't matter. Uh, if Jimmy and Bam are on, uh, meaning, you know, mostly defensively, if they're like their effort is there, um, and the rest of the group hits a couple of shots, they can win any game. And I think the best example of that was when Jimmy came out of uh, an injury and just flew back to Boston and said, Boston, I'm coming. <laughs> and, you know, they won a road game where he wasn't even uh, as sharp as he could have been if he had played the whole time. And so going into the postseason, that was really tested to that belief because then they just started losing any game that they could lose. And it was just sort of like frustrating to see you can never get a maintain a big lead. You could never, you know, hold on to a victory at home. And it started to look like signs of a bad team, like historically. Um, And so, and then when you get to the play in part and it's just like, man, the team in the Hawks that have been, you know, the butt of your jokes, if you will, over the last couple of seasons, um, kind of manhandles you at home Mm -hmm. and Clint Capella has a career game 
and makes Bam look bad going into a postseason where he's supposed to be, you know, relied upon a whole lot. And so all of those signs were, were just bad signs. And what we didn't know watching is what Spo said is like all season long, we were very close. The results couldn't have told you that, you know, yep. uh, but I trust him. I don't believe he was lying to us. I don't believe that the team would have continued, you know, smacking its head against the wall if they believed that this was a garbage team that wasn't going anywhere. And so once they honestly, and I know it was, you know, with a hobbled Giannis for most of it, once they won game one in Milwaukee, I was like, here we go. Because yep. they didn't like look like themselves. Jimmy looked like the guy who didn't pass up shots all the time like he did in the regular season, who was hitting, you know, those step backs and everything else and was, you know, doing it against Drew Holiday. I was like, well, here we go. Because, again, it comes down to being able to win any game in any environment, and that team can do it. And they've shown you now in three series. So it's only fitting that the most difficult environment is going to be last in Denver because of the altitude, because of the MVP. But, again, it's one of those situations where even in Denver, I'm not saying – automatically that they're going to lose a game like any single game that they're in they can win that's what's been so special about watching what they've done this postseason is exactly what you mentioned which is you saw the flashes from this team throughout the season and then they kept giving you reasons to to doubt they did give you reasons to doubt because there were so many important games that ultimately they would lose but then they'd come back and in you know march win back-to-back games against same Hawks that that was a huge back to back, you know, games at home yep. at the beginning of of that month as they needed to get things together. And so anybody who was following this team throughout the year knew, you know, the flashes of what we saw last year were there. But the question came down to what could Jimmy Butler do consistently and what could those role players do? When we talk about role players, nobody has made a, a bigger name for himself in the last couple of weeks than Caleb Martin. And, you know, I would have said Gabe Vincent as of two weeks ago, but now Caleb Martin, who really came onto the scene in the Eastern Conference Finals, a vote away from winning the Larry Bird Trophy for the Eastern Conference Finals MVP, our guest here last week on episode 100. And, you know, when it comes to Caleb, what's been the most impressive part about his journey to you? When You know, the, the evolution from, you know, a guy who was cut after being an undrafted player into a huge piece on an Eastern Conference champion. Um, I, it's interesting. I think the most interesting part with him, I mean, look, he's an interesting human being. He's got a twin right. brother. They're both in the NBA. Right. Uh, you know, everybody knows the J. Cole story. Uh, uh, you know, a hip-hop star more famous than him is responsible for his, uh, his landing on the Miami Heat and becoming right. this player. Um, I think the most impressive part is the sort of get in where you fit in mentality and still being able to thrive. Like I remember Mm. a game last year in particular against Milwaukee in Miami where he just went nuts and it was just, that was the game. That was the breakout. Yeah, that was it. And that was a, you know, you realize, wow, we've got a guy, if you're supposed to, we've got a guy in our rotation that can defend the way we want to defend probably one through four, maybe, but definitely one through three. And can you know rebound can take the ball up the floor and of the the twin brothers was the scorer so if you give them opportunities can get into a rhythm and you know i don't want to take too much credit but i'll go ahead and take some because take <laughs> uh in i think it was 2022 maybe it might have been yeah it was 2022 uh so it might have been right after that uh, milwaukee breakout game or something uh but you know i was on debatable and i said you know if you squint really hard kind of looks like t-mac out there because he was doing t-mac <laughs> things and now what I would say is don't squint because 
just look at him play and you see Scotty Pippen. Like you see a Man. lot of those abilities and it sounds crazy to say i'm not saying he's one of the top 75 players ever don't get me wrong but nope, in terms of skill set like in terms of skill set he's got that for you and the one thing that i always think of and this is like um you know my partner anthony like yep. one of the phrases we have going around whenever we watch him play is pj tucker could never and it yeah. was always like there was such sadness when pj didn't resign and this team was going to be worse and it's just like give these guys some time yep. have some faith and you're most likely going to get the best out of said player. And so Caleb Martin with this whole year and then him gaining that confidence, like those shots he was taking, um, you know, in, in that series, not just in game seven, were shots he probably wouldn't have taken when he first started getting regular rotation minutes and certainly not, you know, the, who you're looking to take those shots in the middle of this season when things were getting all frustrating. Uh, but now, whew, crazy reliable. And yeah, when, when you're when you might get Tyler Hero back, and now you're saying take your time. We don't right. need that much extra scoring. Caleb's got us. It's crazy to think about. Right, it's really unbelievable, and you know, it's that confidence that he's playing with that I yeah. think is the most spectacular part. And he talks about the way that you know Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and Eric Spolstra have continued to instill that in him. So if we're talking about Caleb Martin as Scottie Pippen. Well, then his Michael Jordan would be Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler was actually the conference finals MVP uh, and it was deserved. I, I want to make this more of a, you know, full playoff conversation with you here, because I think sure. just talking about Boston would, would not be doing service to Jimmy after what he did against Milwaukee and those comeback victories, those huge scoring performances, what he did against New York, even after the ankle injury now against the Celtics, he's had a, a sort of Jordan-esque postseason when you talk about individual performances what are your thoughts on playoff Jimmy and you know what does this run do for him in sort of the grand scheme of heat lore I'll throw a random stat at you um there's only five players I don't know if you know this one yet but five players who have averaged 25 and two steals going into the finals throughout their postseason run uh Jimmy one of them and the other four LeBron Dwayne Michael Jordan and Allen Iverson so good. already good. you're gonna find <laughs> you're gonna find a handful of statistics wow. where he's gonna just be lumped in with the greats of the greats. And I think that's kind of where we have to think of him as a playoff performer. Um, now that we see who he is when the responsibilities on him, because it never really was that full time in Chicago. It was supposed to be that in Minnesota, but they were building around other young players that so didn't want him to be too sort of uh, to have too much of an impact or or affect his young their young players too much. Certainly wasn't going to run the show in Philly. He was what maybe third right. in line then, right? Uh, and fourth if you consider Tobias Harris over me. <laughs> uh, so I don't think that there was. And so you put him in a situation where let me be the lead guy. Just tr have guys that you know won't take anything personal and will just trust that I have. This the the same uh, the best interest of the organization in mind and, and of winning in mind um and that you know if you trust this head coach and eric spolstra trust me because we have the same goals and we have the same approach and you know there's no as much as jimmy has gotten some flack i think for just not even being as, as readily available to the media not being as great uh as maybe Dwayne wade was in that area he also learned from Dwayne wade yep. about this organization and what yep. to expect and you know so while he's not the exact same person i think he still carries the values of the organization and what matters the most mm. and so he's you know we give him give him this role and he is an all-time playoff performer and 
Um, what's crazy is that, like, the way he jumps and the way he looks right now, he still looks like he's got another six, seven, eight years of this right. ability in him. And so maybe we are just starting to see sort of the prime of his career, if you will. But, you know, what that might mean in the long term is not playing as many regular season games. But, hey, I'm fine with that. Uh, yeah, he's just he's just a spectacular teammate. And I think where Jamal Murray said recently that, uh, these two teams are the most connected, uh, had the most chemistry in the league right now. I think that's 100% true. And it speaks to, it's a testament to their faith in the running it back. And, yep. you know, it's the same thing I said before. They weren't going to hit their head against the wall a million times and just say, okay, this is going to work next time. They had faith that this would work with this new group with maybe one tweak or so come, you know, trade deadline time or, uh, you know, free agent pickup time or, right. you know, off the waiver wires. And they, you know, they added Kevin Love and made, him work at times where yeah. most people thought there's no chance that's going to work on a championship team. So it's just, it's, it's trust. It's further trust in the organization further trust in, in Eric Spolstra and now a newfound unbreakable trust in Jimmy Butler. And you get those three things. Um, yeah. You've got a great, great starting point. It really puts all of this in perspective when you think about the way that he's performed in these post seasons. And when you think about the fact that now this is yet another four year run of Miami Heat yeah. basketball, where, they're not going to four straight finals, but they're going to two of them and, and playing into a game seven in a third conference finals with a completely different group. It's really, it, it's pretty remarkable. And one of the guys... Can I add something about yeah, Eric please, Spolster real quick? Please, I hate yeah, to interrupt you. Because I'm I was glad that you're doing it. This. I'm glad that you're doing it because I had a Spolster question later. So let's just do it now. Okay, good. Because I, you know, I, I was, you know, you mentioned my four years of Heat podcast, right? right. And in there, um, it's with iHeartRadio and the NBA. Uh, in there, Mario Chalmers talks about how LeBron, you know, when he first got to Miami, just kind of openly said, you know, or amongst the team or whatever, would say something to the effect of, oh, you know, I never had my Phil Jackson. I, I need that. I want that sort of experience, like head coach with all the accolades. And I started thinking about Phil Jackson. And I started thinking about, you know, because we, we talk all the time about uh, in-series adjustments or in-game adjustments. What was Phil's big adjustment? Was it just run the triangle harder? Because yeah, right? he ran the same offense every time. He didn't change anything. It's like, oh, run it harder. His big thing was, you know, manipulating the refs in between games mm -hmm. and frankly, just trying to find some philosophical nonsense that'll make your team play harder. And it's just like, oh, okay. So if you have two of the, you know, five best players in the league at any given time, you can just tell them to play harder and they'll do better. Overrated. I just said it. Okay. A little I love bit overrated. it. There we go. I do think that Spoh's got that goat status in my, like he sees that. He sees that in his future, and it's just like, I'm not going anywhere. I don't know if it's going to add up to 11, but by the time I'm done, I will have done it with more people than yep. that dude did. So I, I see that in his future. I love that, and we can almost draw parallels to the way that LeBron has tried to sort of overcome the MJ element, which is MJ did it with, you know, relatively same core, same organization. It was six titles, whatever. But LeBron looking at all these different organizations and saying, wherever I am, no matter what's around me, I'll turn it into a champion. You can look at Spo yep. as sort of the same thing which is no matter what's going on no matter what the core is no matter the pieces no matter the style of basketball I will figure out a way to help yeah. my team thrive and and turn all of these these players into success stories all around me um and, one and that's of without getting the chance of of going through Chris Bosch's full career yep oh god if, if only I think about that <laughs> almost every time I watch basketball I just yeah. think about how great he would be in in this sort of modern era of the NBA and the way he could have aged um, and yeah. speaking of a guy who you know is now in that role as the heat big man who I think gets some of the same uh, unjust criticism 
uh, we will talk about Bam Adebayo here um, because I feel like not only is he sort of overlooked in what the success has been of this postseason, but but underappreciated for all the things that he does do to help this team win. You know, the guys on, on Lebetard were crushing him after Game 7, and I sort of had to stand up and say I wouldn't take it anymore uh, yeah. because I just I can't look past what he does for this team on the defensive end and the ways that he helps set up the offense. So I feel like you can maybe offer me a bit of a, a more even-handed assessment um, on how Bam's offense works for this team and how important he is to what the Heat do on the defensive end, including you know the way they adjusted in Game 7 to ultimately win. Yeah, so I'll just start by saying it's okay to be frustrated with Bam's offense on occasion. Sure. It's okay. He is not the perfect player. He is not, you know, the, the league MVP. He still has some things that he is, you know, has to improve on if he's ever going to get to that level. I'd say two-time All-Star, pretty good level pretty so good. far uh, for his age. But um, it is the one area, and frankly, the only area, where you get upset with him. Like, mm-hmm. you take completely for granted what he does on the defensive end until you see, and this is not a knock on Cody Zeller because he does a lot of good things for the team, until you see what another big does in that spot. And it's right. just like, oh, okay, like get Bam back in there. And yeah, get mad at him if he makes a layup. But <laughs> you know that what he does is going to help you win. And then I think about this on the offensive side of the ball. Like you start with him saying all season long, hey, I've I've got my rhythm. I've found ways in my little pet spots on the floor. I'm happy with my my mid-range 15-foot jumper. Doing it against teams with a day to prepare for you. Doing it against teams that maybe aren't playing their best, you know, defenders 40 minutes a night. Right. um, Who maybe not even will play their best player on any given night. And you just, that's all about building that confidence and building that rhythm. But the second you get into the playoffs, you you match up with what second place in Depoy uh, voting a guy who just is four inches, five yeah. inches taller than you, and you realize that, oh, okay, this is not necessarily uh, why people should be upset with me, but like this guy's bigger than me, and this is a lot of the things that I have to overcome at my size and with my ability and with my teammates, and so um, you know it's different than say facing you know, a Sacramento team on one night and then, you know, another defensive big and then going back to, I don't know, uh, play the Dallas Mavericks, right? Sure. So you you can you can change it up then. Here, you've got to find, it's like Jimmy said, you're going to take the same test till you pass it. Well, he's going to see that same player and it's not going to be, and even if he does have a big game, the next game, there might be adjustments to you. Why? Because you're the second best player on your team and the other right. coach actually pays attention to you. So I, I get the idea of being frustrated with him. I get the idea of like, don't be passive mm. in those spots because what make or miss, like it's not going to be the end all for this team. They just need for you to, to, to trust in yourself, to not let the defense think that you're not going to take a shot because you right. need to make yourself a threat at all times. And so I think that's where the frustration comes in. And again, I think it's fair for people to want more of that. But if you're going to be at the end of the game, especially in a win, Right. And say um, and be critical of him at the end. I think you have to go back and watch the game again. Right. Go back and watch the game again and just know that they're going to win and then ignore those those frustrating misses. And you will be filled with sort of evidence of why he's so important. And like this whole grass is always greener concept, like even the idea of somebody like Joel Embiid coming in here, right. it's like you have no idea what his defense is going to be late in a season. Mm-hmm. Here you've got Bam who takes a beating all season long and in game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals going into the NBA Finals, 
Still looks pretty fresh. Still looks yep. like he can run around and defend all five positions at any given time. So it's it's one of those where he'll never be fully appreciated until either they win a championship and you just get an edit of all the yep. stuff that he <laughs> yep. did, yep. or he retires and then you just have to look back and see how great he was. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And and it's all those little things that he does on on both sides of the ball that that help this team continue to win. I'm going to give you one more option of a Heat storyline here before we preview the finals, um, and we'll okay. do that quickly, but. It, it basically pick pick your poison here. Pick pick your favorite of amongst this group, and we can highlight. So either Kevin Love and his influence on this team in the locker room and on the floor, uh, Duncan Robinson and his fourth quarter performances and holding his he- ear up to the Boston crowd, uh, Gabe Vincent's role as the starting point guard, and man, the contract he's played himself into, and Max Struess, who was cut by the Celtics. Had his moment against the Celtics last year with the foot on the line, and now beats the Celtics starting in all five or all seven games. Uh, so I'm only picking one. So technically, if it's a runner-up, it's an OLI. So the OLI is Gabe <laughs> Vincent. Okay. Uh, and I, I love his story. I love his game. His pull-up just—it's. I mean, he's just it's amazing. He's it's a. He's always been an ultra-confident player, and now that he's doing it on this stage, it's just—it's really cool to watch. But mm-hmm. I got to go with the Duncan Robinson storyline, and yep. in part is because I just heard. A clip of him on, on Reddick's Reddick, yep. old man in the three. Yep. I, I heard the same clip. That's why. That's why this is uh, prevalent right now. It's so great because you know somehow his phone number got out, and <sighs> no. so he got a bunch of messages from Boston fans telling him, you know, everything you would imagine Boston fans would tell you uh, if you're playing them in a game seven that they're about to, you know, maybe make history about Mm -hmm. uh, on. And so he was kind of preparing himself for, man, if this happens, if I have a big game, if we win, like, I got to do something to get him back. And the only thing that, like, bothered me is that he didn't go with the Tim Tebow call the, me. The phone call, right. I had the same yeah. thought. I had the same thought. He would have had so many people questioning, like, what'd you do that one for? Was it a uh-huh. long distance thing? And he's like, no, nah, let me tell you what uh-huh. happened. And said we had to wait until it was in, on JJ's podcast, which is fine. But uh, uh-huh. I got to say that that's my favorite because like Duncan has gone, he's been such a fun like watch because mm. he was the reason why that offense was great in, in 2020. And he was yep. the reason why defenses were, you know, scared and why they made it to the to, to the finals because yep. he helped everything else work. And then as he's sort of, you know, dwindling in terms of percentages, as he's dwindling in sort of minutes, as this podcast is gone all of a sudden, yeah. <laughs> you're just like, wow, what's, what's going on with Duncan? Is he, you know, a shell of himself? Will he never recover? And where I went with that one is, Oh man, I can't wait till he's playing again because yep. he's got to be thinking, F it. What I've already hit rock bottom. I have no reason to not be confident. He could have spent the entire time just watching clips of 2020. Um, but instead he didn't. He got better and d- learned to do things or, you know, tra- uh, drilled things that, you know, he couldn't do in 2020 or 2021. Mm-hmm. And now you're seeing all of that with a guy who looks, crazy confident and a guy who's giving you the listen uh, I can't hear anything in Boston and it's just cool to watch because it's just you know it's just one of those stories of like resiliency and just sticking with it and not letting circumstances bring you down because that man is one of the best shooters to ever pick up a basketball so he should feel really good when he's out on the floor I couldn't be happier for him, especially considering, you know, what what the criticism has been like when there's been criticism Um, and to watch him turn into 
I mean, he literally scored the second most fourth quarter points of anybody on the Miami Heat in the series against Boston. He was spectacular in moments where the Heat needed it. And it was really perfect. You know, get to be up 20 and have that happen. Yeah. Not just after like a big three that you made to go up like six. This was perfect because you knew he could do it and nothing was going to come back to haunt them at that point. Um, So Absolutely. so that's special. And, I, you know, I do wonder, and maybe this is a, a question I'll actually have to ask him. I guess I'm sort of thinking out loud here. But the impact that Kevin Love in particular is a guy who, just like Duncan has talked about going going through bouts with with depression or anxiety I can imagine having Kevin Love in that locker room has has helped him in going through some of these moments up and down minutes restrictions whatever there might be um so if you don't ask him that I'm gonna ask him first so it's gonna be a race well shoot all right well then I guess we'll have to race to I'm not going to Denver (laughs) so I'll see you game three uh let's preview heat nuggets let's preview heat nuggets um I want to know just your initial impressions of this this series and and why people should be excited about this matchup because I think there's a lot of you know (sighs) we you know people aren't as excited as they should be because it's not Lakers Celtics and I think to me I look at these two basketball teams and I see what could be an incredible series well, it's a novel concept, right? The main reason to watch this basketball series is for the basketball, okay? <laughs> for the actual basketball. Like, right. uh, NBA TV was replaying the um, the two regular season games between the Heat and Nuggets, and I only caught, like, I think the first quarter of each of one, uh, each one of them, but it was kind of fascinating watching yeah. the Nuggets run their offense against that Heat defense. And this is going to be a Heat defense that's going to be more together, more just have more options to mm-hmm. turn to because, you know, as we are saying before, you only have maybe a day to prepare for a team in the regular season as opposed, as opposed to preparing for a team over the course of seven games, potentially. And so you're going to have more options, more more things to, to make, more, more chess moves, if you will, that they're going to have to counter. And I think... On the Heat side of things, or on the other side of the floor, where the Heat's on offense, this isn't the regular season Heat offense. This is a Heat offense that is executing well, and that's executing well so far against three really strong rim protectors in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Uh, not the case so much in this one. So I know the thought was in the Denver-Phoenix series, hey, nobody's going to stop anybody. You're going to have to outscore them to win. That ended up being true in large part because Phoenix doesn't really defend or didn't really defend right. that well with that group. But the Heat is going, the Heat are going to defend. Is, is there R? I'm going with R. I, podcast. This is driving me insane. I've been typing tweets, the Miami Heat is, the Miami Heat are, right. for weeks now, feeling self-conscious about whichever yeah. I We went through that at the Miami Herald when I was there. We actually went through a shift where we started with <laughs> singular and then went to plural. But anyway, I'm going with Heat uh, are. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I think... Um, they're just a different offense and they're going to give them some trouble and probably foul trouble. Like two guys are going to want to get in foul trouble a lot. Obviously Jokic would be great. Yep. Uh, but Michael Porter Jr. as a big who is not a defensive, you know, great defensive player can make some mistakes. And if you get that threat, you know, out of the corner, that's that's pretty big. Now, you know, Brown is a good player. Uncle Jeff is a good player. They don't shoot it like like tall shooter, as they call him. Right. I think they'll in the league. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, those two guys are going to look to attack. So I think it's just going to be a lot of fun strategy, a lot of great sort of, um, you know, highlight plays from Jokic on one end and mm-hmm. then, you know, a lot of force from Miami on the other end. And so uh, I think it's just going to be great basketball. Let's talk briefly about Nikola Jokic before I force you into a, another prediction. Um Nikola Jokic, obviously, back-to-back MVP, probably could have, should have, would have maybe been the three-time MVP. I think that's a should have as well. Should have been the three-time MVP. 
I don't know how to talk about this behemoth of a man who somehow looks clumsy and graceful all at the same time and spits out triple doubles. So let me outsource this to you. How do we talk about Nikola Jokic and and how how great is he for the Miami Heat fan who's a bit uninitiated just for the pure fact that he's been playing, you know, late at night for them a lot of the time? Well, before we talk about him, we should watch him play. And I think that's something that the rest of the country has not done. Um, there might have been somebody at my network who admitted uh, that <laughs> I don't watch, didn't watch until the conference finals, and then there's somebody else at my network who didn't put him on the on the MVP ballot as a mistake, mm-hmm. supposedly. So it's it's very difficult to not want to defend him when the same people who tell us, you know, hey, these this guy's great and this guy's great, don't really have the knowledge on Jokic and. I don't know what Russell Russell Westbrook did to ruin the triple double for everybody, but this man damn near averaged a triple double at the center position Crazy. with ridiculous efficiency, with great numbers as as a point center. Like all of these things are are wild to think about, and I do think there's a xenophobic element to this yeah. because let's be real, if he was an American born. Uh, big an American-born white big who was doing this uh, in this country, he would get just as much yep. attention as Larry Bird did. Mm-hmm. Instead, they don't. He was. They've already bored. He's already bored everybody with his greatness to the point that they didn't want to give him a third MVP. It's crazy. Oh, because they didn't want to compare him to Larry Bird, who won three straight. <laughs> so don't tell me there isn't that element of sub. You know, not in terms of the voters necessarily, sure. at least not consciously, but in terms of the fans and in terms of everybody watching the game mm-hmm. here. So, um, if you were to just do a mixtape or an edit of of Nicola's best plays, even before he won MVP, mm. you would be like, "Yo, this dude is sick, like <laughs> absolutely sick." And so. Now that he has lost the weight and is like an elite level conditioned athlete, um, can do anything on the floor that you ask him to, except maybe, you know, block three shots a game. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's just one of those deals where you just got to watch him to appreciate him. And, you know, it wasn't like were people saying that Dirk was boring when he was playing against the Miami Heat? No, they wanted Dirk to win because they had, you know, they had the hatred for Miami. Mm -hmm. So just because you don't have those feelings for, you know, for the Heat now and you don't want Jokic to win that badly, doesn't mean that he's not entertaining or he's not Nowitzki level of must-see TV. Like this dude, um, again, was voter fatigue away from essentially being Larry Bird and doing something that Michael Jordan didn't even do and potentially taking the league from LeBron as LeBron is aging at year Mm -hmm. 20. So everything that you want from a player, from a superstar, from a a storyline in the league, especially because, you know, some people want the, 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 the controversy, some people want all that stuff. I want the discussions about who the best players in the ever are. And he's going to throw himself in that conversation. If we, if we all allow him too if we allow if we watch him and, and recognize this level of greatness so i hope he puts on a great show and he's still mm. in but i really want <laughs> i really want Nikola Jokic to be respected fully after these finals are over he is one of the great players of of all time and we can say that i believe already he's one of the great bigs we've ever seen and 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 i'm excited to see him put on that yeah. show in the series again hopefully with he loss uh before i get this last second of analysis i'm going to have the people sit tight so that you could tell them about four years of heat because I want to talk about your podcast before I get your prediction on this final series because I'm very excited about where it is headed right now. Yeah, I'd love to. It was um, it was something that was just kind of brought to me, um, I think right at the turn of the calendar, I want to say around January. 
And um, I've never done a podcast before, much less one that was in like a documentary style, which wasn't really until after I wrote them that I realized that I was writing in a documentary style because I didn't really know, you know what that was in terms of a podcast. But uh, my first thought was always like, oh, people are going to hear my voice the whole time. Like, that's not going to be fun. But uh, it turns out some people don't hate my voice, but also there's Gosh. so many other voices in this thing. And so, you know, you've got Adonis Haslam, you got Mario Chalmers, you got Ray Allen, Shane Battier. Um, Stan Van Gundy, uh, Dan Levitard, you might have heard of him. You know, Tim Reynolds <laughs> is in here, friend of the Levitard show. Yep. Uh, Rachel Nichols, um, Boris Diaw, Matt Bonner, just a Man. lot. Brandon Haywood, a lot of people who were in and around that team and just a lot of the, the voices that were around that team as well. And it was just so much fun to go back and like revisit that whole time. Um, it wasn't just and so I'm making it very, you know, Miami uh, because that was a team that made Miami like a legitimate sports town, right? Mm -hmm. Like I understand they won the championship in 06, but that would have to have been maintained, right? Shaq was in and out like a, you know, so whatever. fast. A fart in the night, if you will, yeah. a fart in the wind. Sure. And then that one, and then so you're like, you still got Dwayne Wade, but that level of sustained excellence for four years with that level of pressure, with the championships, with it being with the player who many would say is even before he left Miami, would rival Michael Jordan as the best player mm. of all time. That 1000% like put the rubber stamp on Miami as a sports town, as a place you can go and be a legit team franchise, et cetera. And that came with so much pressure, mm. mostly for LeBron, but it was like, you know, dispersed to everybody. It was so much pressure and it was a lot of fun to go back and think about and to just listen and to hear these guys talk about it. And so I basically it's an eight episode podcast with iHeartRadio and the NBA. And it just takes us through the story of those four years and the two championships and the two failed uh, finals runs. And then just kind of wraps it up on like what it meant for the league and for the heat. And I think honestly, my favorite part about it was talking to two guys in particular. One was Joe Kim Noah, who oh, man. honestly, I only used him a little bit because in typical Joe Kim fashion, like he when when you know he got on the uh, Riverside app, sure. uh, which is basically Zoom. Um, of course, he's in the backyard, shirtless, sunning. You know, he's of living course. Joe Kim Noah life, right? And where he he start, you know, he was saying like he doesn't really talk about these times because they don't end in joy for him. Mm. But he was doing it for me because Gator and that's my guy. But the 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 true like genuine feelings that you could hear from him when he's talking about the level of competition back then and just mm. how cool it was and how memorable it was like he had the game where that last regular season game in 2011 where the bulls finished the three-game regular season sweep lebron he was right. defending lebron in the final possession and stopped him and sent the heat to tears he was remembering every element of that game he was like my pops was there like it was so cool and so just like the joy that even if you lost to that team, that competition level at that time was just so great. Mm. And the second interview was another Gator, not, not biased here, but <laughs> Matt Bonner. Sure. Matt Bonner was at his house in San Antonio, but there was a little bit too much activity inside. So before he even got on the thing, he downloaded the Riverside app onto his phone and just went into his car outside and was just like, you know, I don't usually talk about this stuff. And I definitely wouldn't talk about it if we didn't come back and win in 2014. That's funny. Uh, yeah, but, right. Spoiler alert. And then he just, and he just like uh, went on to just give me like an hour plus of his time trapped wow. in his car, and I would have, he would have given me another hour because mm. it was so much to talk about. And my favorite quote from him was when you know he said, "To this day, whenever I hear the baseline from Seven Nation Army, 
Like I put myself right back in that place oh. in 13, in 14, and that atmosphere. And he actually gave credit to the Heat fans, which is something huh. the world does not do. Interesting. And it's just it just goes to show you like how. And this is a guy who didn't even play 40 minutes a game right. for the Spurs and those. He just played a little bit here and there, but it just meant so much to them, and it was such a great time in the league. So all that stuff is just really cool. And then just you know, little nuggets of information that you probably didn't know um, that are going to be in there probably in, in every episode. And then, of course, you know, DJ Khaled is going to be in every episode just <laughs> for fun because we can. And DJ Khaled is the man and he's the Heat's, you know, current super fan. This is, uh, I think, a dream podcast for any Heat fan. So you guys have to check it out. And with Izzy at the helm, you know, it'll be great. Um, I know I don't I've, I've already enjoyed Um I have to say, like thinking back to the competition level there, it only now reminds me of of these moments and the competitor that Eric Spolstra and Udonis Haslam have, have sort of turned into um, and have always been molded by yeah. what was going on then. You know, Caleb Martin told a story on Levitard today about the fact that he was like, after game six, UD was the guy who was the most pissed off, punching walls, breaking stuff, like, because that's just the type of competitor he is. And that ultimately now drips down to this team. And it, it is part of the whole lore as the Heat now find themselves back in another NBA title. So all this said, how do you believe the Miami Heat can exploit Denver and with that analysis, what is your prediction in this NBA Finals? Will it be the Heat or will it be the Nuggets? Uh, shout out to you, D-Man. What a what a crazy, <laughs> great career. The best. And, and to think that if LeBron doesn't score 45 with 15 and 5 in that game 6 in Boston, UD's probably one of the people that doesn't come back. Insane uh, so, to think about. Insane to think about, truly. Man, he's been a part of all three of those uh, championship runs. But he's been, to more, um, he's been to more NBA Finals than Michael Jordan. Crazy. That's <laughs> It's a pretty crazy one. I would say that uh, how can they do this? Look, um, the most recent quarter that I watched from this regular season <laughs> uh, between the two teams was that first quarter in Miami where the Heat offense did its thing. And they, you know, was, I watched one play where it was a rare play where Jimmy uh, went to the basket and did not hesitate to go up against a big man. And that big man was Nikola Jokic, and Nikola Jokic didn't even jump. It was a layup. Mm. And so I think they have a lot of confidence going into this series because it was driving me up a wall every time they'd get the switch and it'd be Brooke Lopez in front of him, oh. in front of Jimmy, or Mitchell Robinson in front of Jimmy, or Robert Williams in front of Jimmy. And I'm, he's like, this is the guy I'm going to attack. <laughs> and it's almost like he was preparing himself for what would eventually be the easiest defender, which would be Nikola Jokic. So right. the Nuggets aren't going to switch everything. They're not going to put Nikola in that position. But if the Heat can force them to change up their offense by, you know, busting through, you know, the, the hedge and recover or, or just getting into the paint or doing anything to make them switch, then it's going to be a nightmare for Nikola. So I think, you know, I respect Michael Malone a ton. And I think he is uh, so much so that I'll call him Michael and not Mike. <laughs> um, but I, I think I think Spo is the better coach, and I think he's going to have more over the series to affect Nicola in some way. And you know, like I said earlier, they're going to try to really get him in foul trouble. They're going to try to uh, force the issue in the paint more so than they did in these other series. Yeah. And I think that's the way they have to do it. And of course, you know, you have to have your confident shooters. You have to have those um, at least one or two of them giving you, you know, multiple threes in a night to to spread the floor. Um, and you're going to have to withstand some runs. 
You're going to have to, and this is, it's almost like they've been preparing for this the entire yep. playoffs because yep. they're going to find themselves down 15 at some point in Denver. And most teams are going to be like, all right, we're cooked, but they're going to say the exact opposite. And they're mm-hmm. going to, you know, uh, pull on that, you know, that experience that they've had this whole postseason and one that nobody else has. Um, so, you know, three times this postseason, double figure deficit in the fourth quarter and they mm. come back and won. That's not even including the one against the Celtics where they <laughs> would have won if not for the Derek White Tiffin. So I just think there's enough evidence there to say they can scheme against any team mm-hmm. and put themselves in it, which is why if I'm going to pick the heat, which I did, I did it in seven, um, bit of a cop out, but you know, it's the same thing I had in the preseason. There you go. Going to live forever. Stick with it. Heat and seven. Uh, I'll throw it out there. I'm going heat and six and that's solely yeah. for selfish purposes. Uh, right. I just want to be around for a, a celebration. So that's, Listen, that's if it goes to seven, <laughs> just get them to send you to Denver. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll if it goes seven, yeah, get I'll get there. You can look, experience if there. it's if it goes seven, I'm getting to Denver one way or another. That That's yeah. happening. So we, we, we got to make it happen. Uh, Izzy Gutierrez, thank you so much for, for your time. Uh, everybody go listen to Four Years of Heat. Follow Izzy and everything that he does. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing you and hopefully beating you to this question about Kevin Love and Duncan Robinson. Well, I was gonna. I thought you were gonna say I'm looking forward to episode number 201, but that yeah. will be my next one. I guarantee it. So, e- episode we'll 201. I can't wait to have you back. Thanks, Izzy. Yep. Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami Miked Up with me, Jeremy Taché, and a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or Toyota.com today, and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places.